It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, July 2nd. The LA Galaxy coming off a 3-3 draw with the San Jose Earthquakes. We're certainly going to talk about that. A whole bunch to dig into and sort of dissect there. A game that, that comes off as a disappointment. Maybe it should be, maybe it shouldn't be, but we'll certainly discuss it a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, we have, uh, let's see, the DeSantos brothers will be returning to the LA Galaxy. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And also some fun stats to talk about and get you ready for the game against DC United on Wednesday night. That's right, July 4th game against DC United. The worst team in Major League Soccer coming to Stub Up Center. Hopefully that is another, as we, as Eric and I, Eric Vieira Eric and I said on Thursday, another guaranteed win, just as we said it was against San Jose as well. Uh, you'll notice that Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda himself, is not on the show. We apologize for that. Uh, we were trying to record Sunday morning because uh, the Mexico-Brazil game was going to get in the way of our recording schedule. And then <laughs> Mexico training ended up going a little bit longer than it was supposed to be, and then schedules conflicted, and it ended up being a, a whole little nightmare. So uh, relax. Uh, the panda is not, and I repeat, has not been arrested. Um, and so he's, he's safe, he's well, um, and he is still covering the World Cup. As uh, as Mexico gets bounced out and uh, and lots of fun stuff going on with the World Cup, just uh, a lot of fun games to watch, a lot of fun things to do. So if if you want to see something that maybe makes you a little bit happier, uh, maybe go watch the World Cup games instead of this Galaxy three three draw. Uh, I'll admit that I was on an airplane flying back to uh, Los Angeles whenever this game went on, so you'll have to put up with my uh, broken interpretation of the plane's Wi-Fi as I uh, obviously saw this game from the air as everything went down. But the Galaxy come in uh, to Stanford Stadium having only gotten points in two of the six games they'd ever played there. Uh, they were 1-4-1 whenever they entered into the game. They ended up being 1-4-2. So from that basic perspective of just saying that the Galaxy never get points in San Jose at Stanford Stadium uh, and also acknowledging that the games at Stanford Stadium tend to be wacky, weird affairs... Uh, Cali Classicos, and for whatever reason, uh, San Jose Earthquakes, the worst team in the Western Conference, um, somehow put together uh, some strings of goals, and, and the Galaxy certainly helped them out with that, um, and ended up with the uh, the 3-3 draw. But if you're just taking on the fact that the Galaxy don't play it well at Stanford Stadium, then the draw itself, the draw on the road, a point there is something that you can say, okay, not the worst thing in the world. It's not the best thing in the world. I don't want to sit here and candy coat or sugar coat that. You can candy coat things with things other than sugar maybe that's where i was going with that something like that definitely something like that panda and pato in the morning that's something the panda would have said wouldn't it um but anyway so you if you i don't want to sugarcoat this this was not a good game for the galaxy uh despite the fact you get two goals from zlatan ibrahimovic despite the fact that you get a, a set piece goal from zlatan and you get one from roman alessandrini uh, despite the fact the Galaxy were probably more dangerous on offense than San Jose was. Um, all those things. that It wasn't a good game for the Galaxy, and you certainly have to look at... I know everybody's going to point at the defense immediately, saying you allowed San Jose to score three goals. Yes, that is true, um, but you also have to look at the midfield in this one because you look at a lot of these runs that were made through, a lot of the defense that was missed in the midfield and allowed the uh, the defenders to be open one-on-one. Um, so you can certainly look at, at a bunch of different things there in terms of how 
how this game went down and how it all went sideways. Uh, a little bit of surprise in the starting lineup, or maybe not a surprise. Maybe it is a surprise. Maybe the Galaxy did a good job of fooling us all whenever they said that Ola Kamara was back in training and that it looked like, at least on paper, that he would be back for this game. That did not happen. Ola Kamara did not play, did not dress. In fact, the LA Galaxy were so short of players. They only had one, two, three, four, five, six, excuse me, six players on the bench. Uh, Emmanuel Boateng, who apparently had a cramp after the Portland game, that U.S. Open Cup Portland game, actually has a hamstring issue. Uh, Damian Calhoun reporting that today as he was out at training. Um, so it's a hamstring issue for Ima Boateng. It doesn't look like it's a severe hamstring issue, uh, just like it doesn't look like the, um, the, the, the calf strain to Ola Kamara or uh, any of the issues with the ankle with Sebastian Legette look like they're long-term. They all look like they're coming to fruition, that they're coming um, you know, to end here rather shortly. Now, whether or not that'll be for DC United or whether that will be against the Columbus crew uh, coming up next Saturday, that'll be remain to be seen. But what you had was a shorthanded Galaxy team without the Dos Santos brothers. Let's go through all the players the Galaxy didn't have in this game. So Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos off with the World Cup. Rolf Felcher out with, obviously, his torn uh, uh, pec muscle. Um, you didn't have Ima Boateng. You didn't have Ola Kamara. You didn't have Sebastian Legette. So those are all the players that you didn't have. So on the bench, you had Justin Von Stieg, Daniel Starez, Thomas Hilliard Arce, or excuse me, Tomas Hilliard Arce, uh, Baggio Husedic, uh, Shannon Williams, and Ariel Lassiter. That was it. So really only one offensive sub on the bench, and that's Ari Lasseter. I, I don't know how excited you are about Ari Lasseter being the only offensive sub the Galaxy can really bring on, but other than that, you saw the Galaxy make the moves that you'd expect them to, to bring Baggio Husidic into this game. Um, to bring Shane and Williams into this game, I guess, was also something you wanted to do. Um, Ari Lasseter to bring him into this game as well. So, um, that's what you had on the bench. In in actuality, and what you had on the field, you had a 4-5-1 or a 4-2-3-1. Uh, something the Galaxy are familiar with, and something that they realistically, they're built for. Um, you had, uh, you know, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic up top. You had Bradford Jamison perhaps out wide on the left-hand side. You had Chris Pontius and Roman Alessandrini and Bradford Jamison all switching throughout that offensive midfield underneath Ibrahimovic. Uh, and then you go into the defensive midfield side with Joao Pedro, who has seen a resurgence in playing time um, since uh, he's been allowed back up on the senior team uh, with Rolf Felcher off. Uh, that opens up the international slot, which allowed Joao Pedro back from LA Galaxy 2 up to LA Galaxy. So you've seen Joao Pedro get in there, and then you had saw Perry Kitchen, uh, the defensive, the best defensive midfielder the LA Galaxy have right now. That really did set a four-man back line that you would expect would be able to handle this San Jose Earthquakes team. Uh, Ashley Cole, Jorgen Shelvick, Michael Ciani, and Dave Romney out on the right-hand side. But if you go back and you look at all three of the goals that happen, they're all on turnovers. They're all on poor decisions. Um, you know, it's Jamison's lack of a clearance on a ball um, that ends up having him chase, you know, Magnus Eriksson into the box and sticks a right foot in there for no reason whatsoever. Uh, he had coverage. He had two players in front of him. There's no re reason for Jamison to come in there and try to do it. Clear-cut penalty, not even hard to do. I mean, that's giving away a goal. You had Michael Ciani, who got turned after Jorgen Shelvick stepped up into space where there was nobody um, and left Ciani one-on-one. Is it better on to, to bracket Danny Hewson, um between Shelvick and Ciani in that case? Because he had Kitchen still in that area to be able to challenge the ball that eventually came into Hoosen. Um, and so, you know, Shelvick stepping up. Was that a mistake there? Is Ciani just poor positioning? I mean... Siani gets left in the left out the to, to in in the cold there, but it's still his fault. It's just a horrible tackle. You're going to take that guy down. It's going to be a penalty every single time. So, you know, Michael Siani there. Um, you allowed a 
you know, uh, Kwasashvili to come down the field and just run right through the center of defense, right past Perry Kitchen, uh, right past Joao Pedro, right past uh, Michael Ciani again, who gets targeted. Um, so there's some real question marks in this midfield, in this defense, how those two are working together. Because the defense, when we talk about defense, it's not just Cole, Shelvick, Ciani, and Romney. You'd like to blame them, and that's easy. It's not just Bingham back there. But it's Pedro, it's Kitchen in this game. Uh, it's Jameson, it's Pontius coming back and defending as well. You're not going to expect Alessandrini, who would roam up top with Zlatan Ibrahimovic a lot of the night. Um, you wouldn't expect that, that he would be come back and playing defense. But Pontius and Jameson are guys who need to come back and play defense and protect this LA Galaxy team, who has, despite spending the most money out of any Major League Soccer club on defense, um, who has a fragile defense right now, and has had a fragile defense. And you'd hoped that with the lack of quality that San Jose poised, and let's not mince words here, San Jose beat two teams all year. Two teams all year. I can't even say that. They've won two games all year. They beat one team, Minnesota United, who is not a good team. If it wasn't for Minnesota United being in this league and being woefully short on talent whenever the San Jose Earthquakes apparently uh, faced off against them, uh, that you would not see the San Jose Earthquakes have a single win this year. That's how bad they are. That's why this game hurts. You get a goal from Zlatan Ibrahimovic 58 seconds into the game. The Galaxy score first, something that we have been harping on forever. Score first, definitely score first. All right, that's great. The Galaxy, I don't think, have lost from scoring first this year. But they gave away points in this game. I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scoring 58 seconds in the game is perfect. Exactly what they need. Then they go and they hand Chris Wondolowski, um, you know, a goal again. And, and let's just focus in on this just a little bit. Because Jameson has that poor clearance on the left-hand side. He then tries to make up for it. He fouls uh, Magnus Eriksson down in the box. And then Wando takes the PK. A bad PK by Chris Wondolowski doesn't surprise me. Um, David Bingham makes a save. The rebound, though, comes right back, and Wondolowski taps it in. What in God's green earth is Chris Wondolowski, a supposed, and I have been told this by so many people, nice guy, a so-called nice guy, screaming at David Bingham for? These guys were teammates. Everything I've heard from David Bingham says only nice things about Chris Wondolowski, but here's a dude who goes in and poaches goals for a living. He's very good at what he does. All right, but here's a dude who poaches goals for a living, who takes a crappy penalty kick, and then stands over David Bingham and yells and screams. How is no Galaxy player knocking him on his butt immediately? All right, I don't care. Pick up the yellow card. Doesn't matter. How do you let that stand? The Galaxy looked like they were crestfallen when, when Chris Wondolowski put that penalty kick in the back of the net. It looks like all their hard work of the 58 seconds that they had that, that led to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's goal, all that hard work looks like it just went, went sideways. What is his deal? Yelling, is, is that a way to pump up your team? Wouldn't you just be like, wouldn't you grab the ball and run back to the center circle after you, you, you screwed up a penalty kick and got gifted, bailed out by a lucky rebound? There's nothing, and I'm not on Bigum for, for pushing the rebound straight back. That's a reaction save. You got to do what you got to do. Hey, it is what it is. But the bottom line is Chris Wondolowski tried to like go down the middle almost and, and, and Bingham saved it. All right. And he did it, by the way, twice. Twice Wondolowski took crappy penalty kicks. All right. But he didn't yell at Bingham on the one that tied the game because you know what? That was the game tying goal. That was the one late, later in the game that he thought, oh, that's going to be it. Oh, I'm so, I'm so good. By the way, Chris Wondolowski did nothing to create either of those chances. 
All right, zero to create either of those chances. But he's sitting over there, standing over David Bingham, and you don't have a Galaxy player with enough understanding of what's going on to just push him, to knock him on his butt, to tell him that's not happening. This Galaxy team is soft. Ashley Cole said after the game, we'll skip to after the game real quick. Everybody heard him say it. He says, we're too easy to play against. That's true. Absolutely true. Who fears the LA Galaxy? You might fear Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Guess what? People are scared of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You know why? Dude doesn't take any crap from anybody. All right, the rest of this Galaxy team apparently is out there picking daisies sometimes. All right, I don't know how you as a Galaxy player, and yeah, you would have gotten a yellow card, and you know what? Me on Twitter probably would have said, that's a stupid yellow card. Who cares what Chris Wondolowski did? But you know what? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's about firing up your team. It's about protecting your teammates. It's about becoming a team. All of those things are important in this game, and none of that happened. All right, the Galaxy do a great job of scoring two more goals with Roman Alessandrini drawing a foul on the extreme right-hand side on the short side of the box. All right, everybody expecting a cross. I don't know. I, I never expected a cross. You could see Roman Alessandrini just licking his chops from that angle. All right, a great left-footed curling shot past Andrew Tarbell on the set piece. Beautiful goal. Beautiful goal. Better than Zlatan's first goal and his second goal. I'll say it right now. That one from, from Roman Alessandrini was one of the best goals he's taken. And you know what? For a guy who's only scored three goals this year, he needed that. That was important for him. And he got it. So now the Galaxy are up 2-1. to one. You're sitting there going, okay, Galaxy are up 2-1, to one, 20th minute. This can't get any better. This is where the Galaxy need to be. They're controlling things. Again, San Jose didn't look overly dangerous. All right? And then you get Ibrahimovic creates the set piece. 25-minute goal underneath the wall. Great goal. Put it in behind Andrew Tarbell. The, the San Jose defense is not good. This is what the result. At 3-1 to one in the 25th minute... If you were any other team, let's say any team in the top half of the league, you're saying this game is over. All right, that's not happening with the LA Galaxy, though. All right, the worst thing they did, and Siggy Schmidt pointed this out in the second half, or in his post game, he says the worst thing basically that we did was allow them to get that second goal before the halftime. Absolutely true. If they go into halftime needing two goals, that's a different mindset coming out. That is more desperate. You have 45 minutes to get two goals. You only got one in the first 45 minutes, and you were gifted that one. You can't think great about yourself. But instead, instead, the LA Galaxy allow Kwasiusvili to dribble down the center of the field and take an off-balance shot, and he got David Bingham leading the wrong way, and you got Michael Ciani allowing it to go through his legs. Joel Pedro can't do enough to get in front of him. That's a good time to take a foul, Joel Pedro. That's a good time to take somebody out. Whenever they're running rickshaw through the Galaxy defense, take somebody out. Pick up a yellow card. I don't care. That's not the important part. But again, too easy to play against. Allows somebody to run right up. Three to two at halftime. That's the big mistake. All right? You had the Galaxy almost get one in the 47th minute on a set piece. Um... You know, Zlatan took another good set-piece shot there. That was good. Um, you had a big save from Bingham in the 59th minute. Uh, you take Pedro off in the 67th. You bring on Bajou Husidic, and then you get Michael Ciani. $620,000 player, a replacement for Yelvan Dam. You get Michael Ciani on the wrong side of Danny Hooson in the box, draped all over him. It, it just, it's just not smart. What are you trying to do there? And again, I'll point out to, to going back to what I already said. Jorgen Shelvick steps up into space where there was no danger. So why don't you stay back and bracket Hoosen? 
Why don't you stay back and be that that guy who's not going to allow it? You have two guys and no danger. Where's Shelvick stepping to? Because once he steps forward, that allows the assist to come into Danny Hooson. All right. And that allows Hooson to shield Siani off the ball. And then Siani does his best, you know, falling over trick um, and just rattles right over Danny Hooson. Easy call. Again, both of the penalty kicks in this aren't even difficult calls to make. They're clearly penalties. And if the LA Galaxy can get away with that, you look at where Erickson was on the inside that box. Are you necessarily scared? It was an extreme angle. He has two guys in front of him that are LA Galaxy defenders. Are you necessarily worried about him scoring there? Danny Hooson had that most dangerous chance right there. That was it. Up until the point of that game, that was the most dangerous chance. And Siani fouled him in the box. Are you going to put it on Danny Hooson to make that play, to trap that ball, to be in a position on David Bingham? It's got to be a pretty bang-bang play. So what are you trying to accomplish there? By not bracketing Hooson, you allowed him to get it open. Shelvick steps forward. Siani runs him over. And then you get Chris Wondolowski with another crappy penalty kick uh, that Bingham gets a hand on but can't stop. All right. Um, again, 3-3, that's where you're at. And to be honest, the Galaxy had a chance to win it with Jameson. And certainly, San Jose had a chance in the 89th minute when he went off the post. A 3-3 game. When you look at that, how can you not feel disappointed? You're up 3-1 to in the 25th minute. Did you just take your foot off the gas at that point? Did you stop trying? They didn't. The Galaxy still looked dangerous in that first half. What happened in the second half? Is this Siggy Schmidt playing conservative again? Is this prevent defense? The only thing prevent defense that helps you prevents you from doing is winning? But what are you trying to get there? You know, Ari Lasseter coming in the 87th minute. Okay, sure. Um, you know, the 86-minute Colt, this is, I, I've heard a lot of people talking about this. 86-minute Colt puts a great pass, as he does from the left-hand side, down to the middle. Jamison is streaking in behind. Uh, it's a right-footed redirection. It goes wide of the post. It should have been on target, absolutely. But let's not pretend like that was the easiest finish in the world. It wasn't. It wasn't an easy finish. That ball's coming in almost over his shoulder on a weird angle as Ashley Cole puts it in. It's still a ball that should have been on target. It's probably a ball he should have scored, but it's not easy. It's not a gift. And if you're relying on that to rescue you, you already had a problem because you already scored three goals. How can the LA Galaxy defense, how can the midfield continue to allow these types of goals? They're gifting games away. When you go back at the end of this season in 2018, whether or not the Galaxy make the playoffs or not, you're going to be able to go back and look at games like this where they just gifted points away. They gifted two points right away. Points, by the way, that would have moved them into a playoff position. All right, People had lost in front of them. All right, this would have given the Galaxy 23 points. It could have tied them with the Vancouver Whitecaps. Who knows where the where the where the break is on that? Where how it all goes? But the Galaxy could be in sixth place right now, and they're not. And people lost all around them, and they could have gained ground. They could have gained ground on Sporting Kansas City, who has 32 points, or FC Dallas, who has 32 points, or LAFC, who has 30 points. Right, you could have been seven points behind LAFC right now. You could have been even with Vancouver and Real Salt Lake, but you gifted points away. By the way, the 2017 LA Galaxy, one point better through 16 games. 
again, just to give you comparisons, one point better through 16 games. Your eyes tell you this 2018 team is better. 2017 team was worse. That's what your eyes tell you, or at least that's what your eyes should tell you because it's correct. This is a better team. But where is the proof? When you play the worst team in the Western Conference, the second worst team in Major League Soccer, and you know that you're going to have back-to-back games against the two worst teams in each conference, how do you not walk away with six points? And the best they can walk away with right now is four points. How can you not put that in perspective? How can you not understand that? If you're an LA Galaxy player, how can you not understand how precarious your situation is right now? The Galaxy are on a razor's edge. They're right there. They're just outside that playoff line. But you have teams scoring two points per game. FC Dallas averaging two, averaging uh, 2.0 points per game. Sporting Kansas City averaging 1.88 LAFC averaging 1.88 points per game. Portland Timbers, 1.73 points per game. LA Galaxy, 1.31. San Jose Earthquakes, 0.71, and you don't get the win. Seattle Sounders, 0.8. Color Rapids, 0.94. Minnesota United, 1.0. And then you have the LA Galaxy, 1.31. You can't say the Galaxy are, are punching above their weight right now. They're not. They're playing down to their opponents. That's even worse. A home record of 4-4-0. An away record of 2-3-3. That should have been 3-3-2 after this game. That was a very winnable game. The fact you didn't win that game. And you had plenty of firepower. I'll say this is a shorthanded Galaxy team. You can say that. But it's not like you bring back... I'll tell you who you could have brought back. Jonathan Dos Santos would have been good in this game. You needed a midfield presence. All right, The midfield is a problem right now. All right, Joao Pedro isn't cutting it. That's not happening. Jonathan Dos Santos will cut, will cut it. That's important. You know, uh, Ola Kamara not being there. Quite honestly, the Galaxy not being able to play in a 3-5-2. Something they've been working on, developing, trying to get there. That's, that's, that's what hurts you in this game. But at the same time, you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic give you two goals. You have Roman Alessandrini give you a goal. And you don't get three points out of this. It's ridiculous. Um, I know a lot of the Galaxy players were trying to, uh, at least in, in some way or another, talk up this game like it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um... David Bingham says after the game, I don't know if it's fair. I think we had the better of them. We had a couple more chances that we should have finished. With where they're at at the table, a tie pretty much eliminates them from the playoffs. They're pretty much done. For us, a tie on the road is always a decent result, but when you're up 3-1 and you end up 3-3, it's really disappointing. And we have to do better than that. That's David Bingham. And he's right. A point isn't horrible. Um, Siggy Schmidt on what he wants to see defensively. He says, it's been a while since we conceded a lot of goals, so we've been much better defensively. Obviously, give away two penalties, that's not good, and almost all of them were preceded by mistakes. The first penalty, poor clearance results in them having the ball. The second goal, we have an easy pass to make in the midfield and we don't complete the pass. And the third goal, Dave Romney gets caught on the ball and the ball turns over when, again, we had easy passes to play. So we just got to make sure we're better with the ball and don't put our defense in jeopardy. Uh, he says on the outcome, obviously we're disappointed because we had a 3-1 lead. So when you have a 3-1 lead, you're hoping to get all three points. No, 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 Siggy Schmidt. You're not hoping to get all three points. If you have a 3-1 lead, you get all three points. And he continues, but on the other hand, getting a point away from home, it's a good thing. I don't think we've won here in like the last four tries, so it's been a while. So from that standpoint, that's, that's better as well. I mean, you want to get something on the road. If we can get a winner, winner games at home and our entire games on the road, we'll be okay. But this one feels a little bit different because we had a 3-1 lead. Oh, my. 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic after the game says uh, on whether the result is a positive. He says, uh, and I quote, depends on how you see it, how you look at the game. I mean, you score three goals, should be enough to win the game, but you don't win the way the game was. We should have won because we were leading one nothing, 2-1, 3-1, and then yeah, 3-2-3-3. And we do simple mistakes that we have been doing for some games and then some games we haven't done it when it has been better games. But yeah, part of the game. Listen, I've been here three months. I'm still looking and try to learn how things are working, and then I'm able to judge. So I feel the games are very up and down, very in front and back, very back and forth. Then I feel the more stable you are, the more organized is the winning team. And yeah, you see it. Both teams are not organized some moments. Uh, is organized some moments, and then when it's organized, it's going, going good. Less organized, you can see goals. It's a shame because we scored three fantastic goals today, and yeah, you don't win. It's never good, but we get one point. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. My favorite quote from him, by the way, was him throwing shade, saying that he's used to playing in front of 90,000 people. So playing in front of 50,000 people ain't, ain't no thing. Ain't no thing for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So that's where the Galaxy sit. Um, people may try to tell you this is a good result. It's not. Uh, at the very least, you can take a point. In the overall scheme of things, if you win if you win your home games and you draw your away games, you're a good team. The Galaxy have not won their home games. All right? They've lost four of them, so that's already a moot point. And this was a game they should have won. You're up 3-1, you win that game. Simple, easy to understand. If anybody has any problems with the way that I've broken this down and see this as see this game as a, as an overall negative for this galaxy that you hoped had turned, please send me emails, send me tweets, tell me how tell me how wrong I am that this is such a positive thing for the galaxy. You get a point on the road, yay, whoo, um, and now you return home to face off against DC United, uh, a team that is worse than the San Jose Earthquakes, although they did beat the San Jose Earthquakes, so you know. Sort of toss your hands up with that. Uh, let's go to uh, Dave from Riverside. He left us a message about this game, and uh, I'm sure he has uh, some choice words for the LA Galaxy. Hi, this is Dave from Riverside. So that was a tie that felt like a loss. I mean, notwithstanding our defense, which I don't even want to talk about. It makes me so depressed. You know, I want to talk about the errors that this team keeps making that are costing us valuable points. Should have won that game today, even with the errors on defense. You know, you look at Jameson, who missed what should have been probably a sitter or close to a sitter there at the end. And, you know, people say he's young, but he's not that young. And then in the first half, Alessandrini, he had all the time in the world. I know it was on his right foot, but he had time to take that ball, sell it, and could have taken another step or two towards the goal and slot it into the opposite corner, and he shanked it right over the goal can't keep making these mistakes and Alison Jr. is a veteran. Thanks. Bye. All right, Dave, I, I get it. I get the frustration, but can you really blame, blame an offense that gives you three goals? Can, can you really, those, those mistakes are ones I'm willing to live with. If you score three goals, you're allowed to make some offensive mistakes. Um, you know, Jamison, like I said, in, in, it's not the easiest finish in the world. It's not overly difficult. I'm not going to say it's impossible. He should have put it on frame. Does it go in if it goes on frame? I don't know. It's going to be a redirection. It's going to be tough. He's 21. He's been sidelined by, uh, by, by uh, concussions. He's a kid who shows promise at times, who shows a lot more promise than some of the players who have been put in those positions. Um, I don't know what you do outside of keep giving him playing time because I think he can be good for this team. Maybe he's not a starter. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not his role. Maybe the, the fact that he had to start is one of the issues. But Jameson is a good player. I think he can still be a a vital importance to this senior team, whether that's as, excuse me, whether that's as a starter or off the bench. 
So take a look at that. And Ramon Alessandrini gives you a great goal. All right, don't blame him for the for the one. He didn't know he had that much time. He thought it was he thought he was uh, he was being tracked. He thought somebody was on it, and he took a right footed shot and it went a little bit wide. Listen, Ramon Alessandrini is a guy who thrives on numbers. All right, give him as many shots on goal as he wants to take because some of those are going to go in, as you saw from the set piece. A guy who gives you a goal, a guy who gives you two goals. Bradford Jamison, who certainly had some mistakes, but I don't know if you can mistake him offensively. I certainly think you can mistake him defensively on the first one. But that's that's my opinion on that. I think it's tough. I think it's tough on him. I think that's how that goes. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's that's where we stand on that. Dave, appreciate the call. Thanks. Thanks for calling in. Uh, let's see. Let's move on now to the LA Galaxy uh, in their training today on Monday. Uh, as I mentioned, Damian Calhoun was out at training today, tweeted out that there are limited numbers outside for the LA Galaxy. Legit isn't looking likely this week. Boateng hamstring was outside today. Uh, same for Kamara. He said he's hopeful to get minutes on Wednesday. So you have an Ola Kamara who's hopeful, which means he likely won't start. Uh, you have uh, Emmanuel Boateng who is still up in the air. And quite honestly, you need him, whether he's a sub or a starter. Same with Jameson. And you saw that he was probably missed on this game on Saturday. He could have changed the game with his speed. Certainly could have opened some things up. All right. I also still want to know how his cramp turned into a hamstring issue or if it was always a hamstring issue. Uh, usually you can never get straight answers on that stuff. Again, if you're upset about the injuries and not knowing what your team is, you need, to say, you need to complain to MLS. You need to tell them that you want to mandate that there are injury reports. I know some of you are saying, does it really matter? Well, it does matter. If you want to know who is injured and who is not, or would you like teams just to lie by omission? Because that's what basically happens right now. They don't tell you the truth, or they do tell you something like it's a cramp and it's a, knot, and it's a hamstring, or they just fail to mention it. All right. If you don't ask, it's one of those things where literally if a reporter doesn't sit there and ask about every single player, you wouldn't know sometimes if a player is injured or not. All right. And you don't get to watch training. So it's not like you can sit there and say, oh, who's missing from training? You have to ca- you have to count players on the way in, which I've done, by the way. I have a check sheet. You can check people off as they walk in. That's about the only way to do it. In the NFL, they have a, a neutral observer whose job is there to say that they participated in practice, they, did, they participated on the side, or they did not participate. That's what you need right now in Major League Soccer if you want to understand what's going on with your team. If not, hey, whatever. Maybe it's just a reporter thing that we would just like the information to be able to know so that way we can write about things. Because sometimes there's injury issues like Emmanuel Boateng. Wouldn't you like to know how perhaps he thought it was a cramp and now it's a hamstring? How long we think he's going to be out? Because right now it seems like it's sort of up in the air. It looks likely by Columbus. What about Sebastian Legette who hurt his ankle? I was told it's not a long-term thing. Did not expect him to play against San Jose. He did not. I do not expect him to play against DC United. He probably won't. I don't think he'll be making it back in time for Columbus right now. All short turnarounds for these things. All right, so that's that's what's going on at training right now. Galaxy have a light training day today, a light training day tomorrow on Tuesday, um, and then, of course, the game on Wednesday night. Quick turnaround, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. That's how this week goes. The LA Galaxy will be getting back some players, though. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos. Excuse me, did I just say Jonathan twice? I think I did. Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos returning from World Cup play. Giovanni Dos Santos, 13 minutes played the entirety of the World Cup. Jonathan Dos Santos makes his World Cup debut against Brazil. First time ever played in a World Cup game. 35 minutes in his substitute appearance. That's his total minutes for the World Cup. So you had Gio play 13 minutes, you had Jonathan play 35 minutes, and that is all you wrote for the Dos Santos brothers in Mexico. Um, 
And of course, Mexico falling two to nothing. If you had this happy dream of Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos, and I talked about it a bunch, uh, having a, a great World Cup and then being able to be sold, that dream of yours is now crushed. It's gone. All right. Uh, there's a chance that the Galaxy could move them, but right now, I'll be honest, any reports that you had heard out of the Spanish media, out of the Mexican media, about Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos, which there were reports out there that the Galaxy were ready to shop Giovanni Dos Santos. Might be true, might not be true. I would say that it was probably not true whenever you looked at it, whenever you started to dig into exactly the rumors that they were pulling off. But if Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos make it back, they will not be for the DC United game. Siggy Schmidt, according to Adam Serrano, says that the LA Galaxy are expecting Gio and Jonah to return for Saturday's match against the Columbus Crew. So you can keep that up. I'll tell you, again, Jonathan Dos Santos probably needed right now for the LA Galaxy. Probably need to put him in there, uh, in the midfield, because they need it. Where does Giovanni Dos Santos play, though? Now you have a two-forward set. If Ola Kamara is healthy, you have Ola Kamara. You have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Where are you going to put Giovanni Dos Santos? Does he play out wide left? I'll be honest, it's not a horrible idea. Does he play in the middle, in that central place, in the midfield? Yeah, he probably does as a 10. That might make some sense. In a 3-5-2, the Galaxy finally have a formation where Giovanni Dos Santos playing as a 10 underneath. And granted, I don't think he's a 10, but he could play there because it doesn't need to be a 10. With Jonathan Dos Santos playing in the defensive midfielder role next to Perry Kitchen, and those two, you could allow Jonathan to get forward and connect with Gio. And Gio can connect with Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And Gio can make late runs into the box. And Jonathan can still distribute. And Gio can distribute. That can work on paper in theory. We've never seen it work. We've never seen Giovanni Dos Santos take off and be the goal scorer everybody expected to. Not even in that year where he had, I think, thirteen goal or 15 goals and 13 assists. So where are they going to fit it back? And them coming back now in. You have to remember, and I'll be, I'll be happy to point it out for you. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, out of 16 games, has played in eight started seven, and has 622 minutes played. That is 43.2% of the total available minutes for the LA Galaxy this year. International, abs international absences, and of course, his injuries. Giovanni Dos Santos, 16 games. 16 games equals a total of 1,440 minutes, by the way. That's how this math gets played, all right? Games played for Giovanni Dos Santos, six games started, four total minutes played. 326 total minutes so far. He has accounted, he has played in 22.6% of the Galaxy's total available minutes. Again, injuries, big deal. And then his international absences, big deal. Uh, compare that to Roman Alessandrini, 16 total games. He has games played 12, games started 12. He has 929 minutes and he's played in 64.5% of the Galaxy's total minutes. That's not even great. Quite honestly, that's not great. Ola Kamara. 81.2% of the total available minutes since he joined the club. He's missed, I believe, three games now. Two to international absences and one to this injury, this last one. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. 13 total games he's been in available for. All right. 1,170 minutes total. Games played 12. Games started 9. 812 minutes. He has played 69.4% of the total available minutes since he has joined the LA Galaxy. So you have Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos having played, you know, 22.6% and 43.2% of the games, the Galaxy, of the minutes the Galaxy have played this year. So what are you going to do when you bring them in? Guys who have not been playing in this 3-5-2. 
How do they fit in? How do you work them in? Is this starting all over again? This is a Galaxy team that was starting to gel just before the World Cup break. They were starting to play a little bit better. Granted, the, the, their opponents were worse. All right, But you go to San Jose, you have to say it's a step backwards, not a step forwards. Right? It's not even a neutral step. It's a step backwards. That team is better than that. Short-handed, sure, but that team, this LA Galaxy team is better than that San Jose team. So how does all that fit back into things? That's, that's where the question comes now. How does all this fit back in? Where does Jonathan Dos Santos play? Again, I think he plays next to Perry Kitchen. I think they need him there. The Galaxy aren't that far away from being a good team. I know that's a ridiculous statement, but they're not. You know, somebody asked me on Twitter, they said, you know, is there any chance the Galaxy can upgrade their defense? Yes, there is. Uh, Jeff Cameron's available. Galaxy have the number one allocation spot. Uh, they could go ahead and get Jeff Cameron and they release Michael Ciani. Would that be the best answer? I don't know. I don't know if that works. It seems like it might work. All right, also frees up an international slot that allows Ralph Felcher and Joel Pedro to be on the team at the same time if you do that. But you get a you probably get a better center back in Jeff Cameron than you do in Michael Ciani. And with Jorgen Shelvick making close to a million dollars and being the highest paid defender in the league, if you put him with a stable partner like Jeff Cameron, does your defense get better? Does Ralph Felcher's return make you better? Does Shannon Williams make you better if you're going to play four in the back? Remember, the Galaxy have been playing three in the back. So does it make some sense to have somebody like Jeff Cameron, Jorgen Shelvick, and also, you know, somebody like Dave Romney, another center back? To play in that three, allow Ashley Cole to move into the defense, uh, move into the midfield, that defensive midfield, play a little wing back. Do the Galaxy go back to four in the back again? If you do, you sort of lose a spot for Giovanni Dos Santos. That's why the three makes a lot of sense, still being able to put five midfielders in there. And your three turns into a five with Jonathan Dos Santos being able to drop back and play with Perry Kitchen in front of that defense. But that leaves Ashley Cole out. Are you going to leave your captain out? Things are happening now with the Galaxy in terms of how they want to play that are going to leave somebody on the bench and who is going to be left on the bench whenever Jonathan and Giovanni Dos Santos come back. Rightfully so, it should probably be Giovanni Dos Santos who stays on the bench. But I think that they could use his creativity in midfield. I think the 3-5-2 sets up well for him. I think the 3-5-2 sets up well for the Galaxy in terms of getting Ola Kamara. It's a very offensive-minded uh, uh, attacking lineup which some people have said maybe it's too offensive. It's too much to go to go and try to attack with that many things. But I'll be honest, I'm going to play to the Galaxy's strengths right now, something that Siggy Schmidt apparently refuses to do. He's playing to the Galaxy's weakness, which is their defense, instead of playing to the strengths. Having said that, they still got three goals out of the Galaxy. Siggy Schmidt's idea of we're, all, we're always going to get a goal. We're always going to be able to go. If we can just keep them off the board, this offense is always going to be able to find a goal. Yeah, that's great. But again, it's an it's a focus on the the weakest part of the lineup. Playing defensively, playing conservative, something certainly that is a hallmark of Siggy Schmidt so far in his tenure. It's not allowing this LA Galaxy team to score goals. As many as they probably could. As early as they probably could. So again, I, I want to rely on the offense more. Put Giovanni Dos Santos in there in that 10. All right, move Boatang out to the left-hand side. Put Allison Drini out to the right-hand side. Now you have an attacking five of Ola Kamara, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Giovanni Dos Santos in the center, Ima Boatang out on the left, Roman Allison Drini on the right. Okay, tell me where that's bad. Okay, do you go and you throw somebody like Perry Kitchen 
And then you throw Jonathan Dos Santos as the defensive mids and you allow Jonathan Dos Santos to get forward to link up with Giovanni Dos Santos. Again, but you only have three in the back. Who sits? Do you leave Cole in there with the three? Do you go Siani? Do you go Shelvik? Do you go Cole? These are the questions Siggy Schmidt has to come up now with now that Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos coming back for Columbus. Won't be here for the DC United game, but again, this is, this is incoming. It is happening. These are things that are going to happen very quickly. All right, we go off to sort of our stat of the day. Uh, this was tweeted out by my good friend Mark Fishkin, uh, and the source is sportstrack.com. This is MLS dollars uh, per point based on the April 28 guaranteed salaries. All right, so each team. So you look at the guaranteed salaries, you total them all up. Uh, the LA Galaxy have $17,502,000 in guaranteed salaries. Okay? And then it goes and it compares it to how many points you have. And then it ranks the teams. Uh, at the very top of the list, the people who are getting the most value, uh, the New England Revolution have a $5.9 million salary, guaranteed salary budget. All right, and they currently have 27 points. That would be six more than the LA Galaxy. And they are paying approximately $218,720 for each one of those points. $218,720 for each of those points. If you go down to the very bottom of the list and the worst in Major League Soccer, you have to look at Toronto FC, who currently has 15 points and a guaranteed salary budget of $26,167,000, uh, $167,500. All right, so now, if you look at the guaranteed salary per point, the cost per point for the Toronto FC is $1.744 million, almost $1.745 million per point. New England Revolution, $218,000. TFC, $1.744 million. Wow, what a discrepancy. Where does the LA Galaxy fall on this list? Well, as you could imagine... The LA Galaxy, having spent a lot of money on their defense, again, the highest paid defense in Major League Soccer, you can imagine that their total guaranteed salary budget is one of the most expensive in Major League Soccer. And in fact, I think it is the second most expensive in Major League Soccer behind Toronto FC. Again, Toronto FC spent $26 million plus. The LA Galaxy, $17.5 million plus. The LA Galaxy, with 21 points, have spent $833,429 per point. $833,429 per point. That's how much the LA Galaxy have spent per point. That makes them the third worst in the league by this graph and this stat. Now, somebody certainly pointed out that if you look at Toronto FC and the season that they had last year, the best MLS season in league history, um, I, that's, probably, that's probably accurate. I believe that it is with the points and, and what they were able to accomplish and, and everything that they did. Um that it's certainly worth the $26 million whenever that happens. But the problem is, it's still $26 million right now, and you only have 15 points. Seattle Sounders sit uh, just underneath the LA Galaxy, $949,000 per point. And there's a whole bunch of other teams in there as well. Columbus uh, coming to the LA Galaxy uh, next Saturday, $232,000 per point. They have 30 points right now. That is nine points better than the LA Galaxy. So, again, just a topic for discussion. There should be a return on money. You can spend a lot of money, and as long as you are in a good position, then your cost per point is probably okay. If you're in a bad position and you're spending a lot of money, like the LA Galaxy, like Seattle, like Toronto FC, 
Um, you know, you can also follow, throw in Colorado because Colorado spends $11 million in salary and they are just above the LA Galaxy at $733,000 per point. So, I mean, you don't even have to spend a ton of money. If you're still horrible, then that cost per point goes up. So just, just something out there for fun. Thought you'd enjoy it. That's why I wanted to put it in there. The Galaxy schedule coming up, obviously, the July 4th game against DC United. 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff game will be broadcast on Spectrum Sportsnet. Spectrum Deportes. Um, make sure that you're out there. July 4th game arrive early. Those are always uh, nasty games to get to and everything else. Um, so enjoy the fireworks. Um, and I'll certainly see you there. Uh, and then the LA Galaxy, of course, will host uh, Giassi Zardis and the Columbus crew on Saturday, July 7th, another 7.30 p.m. kickoff time, another Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes game. Then it is a way. It's the East Coast road trip. We don't know if the Galaxy will stay over there, but uh, next Saturday, July 14th, uh, the New England Revolution at New England. Uh, then Saturday, July 21st, at the Philadelphia Union at Talon Energy Stadium. Um, and then away, quote-unquote away, it is away. It will feel like an away game uh, on Thursday, so a short week as the LA Galaxy will go to take on LAFC in the El Trafico, uh, the first time at Bank of California Stadium. So that game should also be uh, very interesting. Thursday night game broadcast on ESPN. And finally, the Galaxy close out July against Orlando City. Sunday, July 29th, 6.30 p.m. That is a home game. Orlando City just uh, switching up coaches. Jason Christ gone. Uh, I think the former uh, uh, Louisville um, coach is now in, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but it doesn't matter because we'll talk about it before that game comes up. If you're looking at the schedule right now, in terms of the Galaxy's weekly schedule, uh, they did train on Monday, July 2nd. They will train uh, July 3rd. Um, and then, of course, there's the game Wednesday. They will train on Thursday. They will train on Friday. And then a game Saturday. Uh, they will be off on Sunday and then back at training on Monday, uh, July 9th, uh, back at StubHub Center. So that sort of seems like the overall um, you know, trend for the Galaxy in this week. Uh, busy schedule, lots of games. We told you whenever they came back that it was going to be hot and heavy very quickly for a little while now. That's what you're getting uh, very, very interestingly um, from uh, this this rapid spate of games here. All right. As we talked about the, uh, the game against DC United coming up rapidly, uh, DC United has just two wins on the season. They're 2-7-4. and four. They're 1-0-1 at home. Remember, this team is not being playing at home because their stadium is being built. Uh, the two quote-unquote home games they had were out, I think, believe, at the Maryland Soccerplex. Uh, nowhere near what their uh, new stadium will be in uh, D.C. So that's exciting for them. But that also means that they are fairly horrible. Again, only two wins all year. 1-7-3 on the road. That one win they got was when they smacked the San Jose Earthquakes, I believe. I believe that was it. So that's where you're getting uh, 0.77 points per game. Uh, DC United, 2-7-4, 13 games played for 10 total points right now. They are the worst team in the league. Absolutely the worst team in the league. Not even close to not being the worst team in the league right now. What does that mean? Well, the last time a very bad team came into the LA Galaxy... On July 4th, remember the LA Galaxy have been hosting a July 4th game since 1996. Um, they bill it as, I believe, the longest-running July 4th game of any professional sports. Uh, I guess that's a thing, but it is a thing, apparently, on this one. But you'll remember, of course, that the LA Galaxy fell uh, by a score of 6-2 to to Real Salt Lake the last time a bad team came in on July 4th. So uh, the Galaxy will, of course, be looking to avenge that loss last year, um, a loss that uh, that t probably turned the tide against Cardinal Alfo eventually there and, and, and led to the ouster um, and Siggy Schmidt being put into place. Uh, eventually, 
it, it took a little time for that to happen, but the 6-2 loss at home. So the LA Galaxy will now get DC United, who of course is all over the news. The hubbub is here. Um, you have you have a, a Wayne Rooney who had just signed for DC United. Now he will not play in this game. He will not play in this game. He cannot come into the uh, the team until the July 10th transfer window opens. We talked a little bit about that transfer window on Thursday. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about as it approaches and as we start hearing rumors of the LA Galaxy possibly going after uh, different players. But that is something that you want to keep an eye on. Um, but until that transfer window opens, Wayne Rooney cannot join the team. So having said that, uh, the DC United, of course, comes off of uh, of having just played the New England Revolution in a 3-2 loss. New England playing well. Um, they're one of those teams that has sort of been a surprise this year, but they went away at uh, Gillette Stadium, and they lost 3-2. All right. Previous to that, they were away to Toronto FC, where they tied 4-4 on Wednesday, June 13th. So they came out, played this last weekend, June 30th. Uh, they lost 3-2, and this is a team that has not looked good. They lost uh, away to the Seattle Sounders. They drew... Uh, LAFC at Bank of California Stadium. Uh, they won away, and we talked about it, the San Jose Earthquakes. The one game they won, they won 3-1 to one against the San Jose Earthquakes. So this is a team, a DC United team, that is in disarray, but looking to get their, their stuff in order. All right, With Wayne Rooney sitting out there in the wings, possibly watching this game, um, I think there was talks at one point of him actually coming out and watching the game in L.A., and perhaps uh, D.C. United officials said, maybe you don't want to go out there for a long road trip. Instead, you want to stay back and, and get healthy and get ready, and whenever the team returns, you'll be, you'll be in a much better shape than if you just go out and watch this game. It's a lot of travel, um, and there's probably no reason for you to get out there. So I don't think that you're going to see Wayne Rooney out there watching from the stands on July 4th, but this is a DC United team that is poor in almost every category. Wayne Rooney's certainly going to help them, but uh, to what extent? They're not a well-put-together team, and Ben Olsen uh, is having to coach through this very difficult road schedule to start the season, and that always sort of ends up evening itself out at the end, but the Galaxy are still catching them while they're in a slump. All right, they won't get Wayne Rooney until that game against Vancouver at home at Audi Field, by the way. So it looks like Wayne Rooney will play in the very first game at Audi Field on Saturday, July 14th. So they have a 10-day break uh, whenever they're done with the LA Galaxy after traveling to the East Coast. Must be nice. Galaxy back-to-back East Coast games coming up. So um, this is very simple, a very simple game to predict. The LA Galaxy should win this game. They should win it 3 to nothing. They should win it 4 to nothing. They should win it 3 to one 4 to one However they want to do it, they have to win this game. This is one of those games that if Siggy Schmidt loses, will stoke every type of fire underneath him. All right, Because this is a game you cannot lose. You're going to have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's healthy. Uh, you may get Ola Kamara back, but you don't need him back in order to beat DC United. Um, you know, you're know, you not going to have the Dos Santos brothers, but that's okay. It looks like you're going to get enough people healthy that you should be able to at least have a full bench. All right, And if Ola Kamara can come in and give you minutes in the second half, that's good. All right, if Ima Boateng can come in and give you minutes in the second half, that's good. Those are the changes of pace that you want to get from this LA Galaxy team against DC United, and this is a game that they have to win. It's that simple. It gets way too hard. Columbus coming into the Galaxy is a very difficult game. Columbus is a good, good team, and if you don't think Giassi Zardes is going to be all jacked up, ready to play the Galaxy, then you have another thing coming. It'll be great to see Giassi back at StubHub Center. I expect that he'll get a warm welcome, but, you know, that's that's... He's going to want to score 17 or 18 goals on the Galaxy in this game. He's going to be jacked for this. 
All right, he's going to be up for it. And the Galaxy need to be up for that game. That feels like a game that is almost a trap game. The Galaxy will play two horrible teams, San Jose and DC United. They should have got six points out of it. And then they sort of have lackadaisical focus on Columbus. Guess what? You have to be Columbus at home too. You don't get a pass just because they're a good team now. Siggy Schmidt says, if you win your home games and you draw your away games, you're okay. But again, the Galaxy have dropped four of their home games. They don't get to lose to the Columbus crew. So this DC United game is super important to win it, win it convincingly, and take that momentum, take that confidence you built, take that understanding into a game where more than likely you're going to get Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos back, and you're going to have to fix, fit them into the team in order to be ready for that game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they don't play in that game, by the way. The body clock adjustment is brutal. The 10 hours ahead, they're living in the future. Trying to come back, trying to get adjusted, trying to be ready for that game, especially after not playing. Those guys did not play during the World Cup. So where is their fitness level at? Where do they feel like they're at? They should be rested, sure. But, you know, a lot of fitness is about playing games. They have not been doing that. All right, 13 minutes in a game doesn't get you ready for anything, Giovanni Dos Santos. Nor does 35 minutes in a game for, for Jonathan Dos Santos. So how do they fit into this Columbus game? So this DC United game is the last game the Galaxy get to be together as the group that they have been maturing with, as this this set of this core group without the Dos Santos brothers um, that has been sort of progressing inch by inch slowly. And if they can get that right against DC United, then, you know, they win. They win this game easily. It should be a happy night for Galaxy fans. We talked about guaranteed wins. This is a guaranteed win. San Jose was a guaranteed win. You see how much that holds weight. But you can't lose this July 4th game for the Galaxy. Siggy Schmidt can't afford to do it for his job security, even though the Galaxy are certainly going to be long with the leash. It just, it just doesn't help. right? It doesn't help the Galaxy's confidence, and you need to beat the worst team in the league. If you lose to the worst team in the league on July 4th in your own house, then this, this season might be lost again. Not that I think it's the most important season for the Galaxy. Next year certainly seems to be that way. It seems to be shaping up that way, and I think they'll be able to correct some wrongs for next season. But this season, they should be a playoff team. That's not asking much. I still think there are five or six or even a four in the Western Conference. That's where this Galaxy team is. They just haven't proven it yet. So we'll see if they decide to start proving it. All right. I think that about does it. You guys listening to me all by myself is always exhausting for you, as is exhausting for me. So we'll probably let you go uh, for the rest of this. Again, the LA Galaxy will face off against DC United. 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes is where you can find it. We'll see everybody out there on July 4th. Should be an interesting game. Uh, the LA Galaxy then face off a Columbus crew on Saturday. So, fast, quick games. And we, of course, will have a Thursday night live podcast for you on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Just hit the live button there, and you can, of course, join in on our live show. And we have a great chat room that goes on during those live shows. So, please be a part of that. We'd appreciate it. All right. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda himself, who I guarantee you, well, at least the last time I talked to him, was not in a Russian jail, still still safe and sound, still reporting on the World Cup in Russia. Uh, he will uh, he will be back as soon as we can connect with him again. All right, so Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda himself, I'm Josh Gessman, Pato. We hope you enjoyed Corner of the Galaxy from the box, and we, of course, will catch you next time. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. 
Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.